Welcome to The Distance Diaries, a long-distance relationship podcast where we chat about topics that come up on our everyday conversations, from politics to popular culture. I'm Natalia and I live in Mexico City. My name is Fraser and I'm from London. So Fraser, what have you been up to this week? So it's been a few weeks since we recorded, so sorry about that. We had a little bit of a break from the podcast. And honestly, one of the things I've been doing a lot has been thinking about if and if I do then where I'm going to move um, hopefully in around September October when you come to London it's so it's a case of will I stay in the Peckham area which is where I've been for a couple of years and I quite like or will I move to another area so yeah I've been looking around a lot at different parts of London and yeah thinking a lot about it I really don't know I've got a list of about six different completely different places that I think we'll be in budget. There's some that we favour over others, I think. Yeah, just about. But uh, yeah, it's pretty difficult. It's pretty tricky. Yeah, it's about what's close to uni, what's close to work. What it's Yeah, there's hard. a lot of variables. And then also money is a problem with most most parts of London. So Most people that live in London have that problem, I exactly, think. Exactly, exactly. Um, also went to... Uh, an event or a concept called Secret Cinema with work uh, last week, which was quite interesting. So for those of you that don't know, it's held, I think, over the kind of summer months every every year. And each year there's a different themed film. So in previous years, they've done kind of Star Wars themes and stuff like that. This year, the theme was James Bond, Casino Royale. So you go to this massive sort of warehouse i suppose and what happens is they've decked out the whole of the inside of the warehouse in the theme of that film so it's as if you're kind of living immersively within the film and it's quite cool and then after you kind of sit and watch the film in a big big group so that was quite good fun and yeah dressed up in kind of smart clothes with everyone from work and like had a good Good laugh. And it is one of my favourite films, Casino Royale. So, What was your character? So, yeah, in theory, you got assigned different sort of people that you could dress as. And I cho- I actually chose to, to go as like a fashion mogul. But then my outfit was just a normal smart outfit. So didn't didn't fully live up to the, the character. Ah, oh, it was cool, though. I liked it. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Really, I've been working from home quite a lot. I haven't been going to any cafes or anything. But the only notable thing probably in the last two weeks is that I went to Teques, which is a lake really near Mexico City, to my friend's house and just had a very chilled weekend. Did some kayaking, went out on the boat, some swimming. It was really nice. Yeah, it sounded so, super relaxing. Yeah, you kind of just lie down in the sun most of the day, which is quite nice yeah. <laughs> if you think about it. What have you been enjoying? So yeah, I've been watching uh, Killing Eve, which is on the BBC. So that's been out for, I think, two weeks. So they released all the episodes of the second series at once. And yeah, I'm quite conflicted about how I feel about the show because on the one hand, they go to cool, like the characters go to sort of various cool places and the music's quite cool and the whole kind of visuals are really nice. And the acting's really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The acting's good. There's a mix of kind of your typical BBC TV show actors uh, in it, and then kind of some more, like, interesting foreign people um, who you don't normally see on on British TV. 
Um, but yeah, yeah I, but on the other hand, but then it's also very kind of weird and a lot of strange things happen and there's a lot of very, very violent murders take place. Well, yeah, that's, that's almost what the show is about. Yeah, and I have to look away from the screen at times. <laughs> they, you love James Bond no, and like... But, but, oh, no, but, it's, but this is brutal, like this is gruesome. Like I, I watched, um, I think I said on the podcast, I watched Drive again, the, the film. Yeah, Drive, I was going to say one, one of my favorite films. But like this is, this is what, like this is... As bad, if not worse than that, which okay. is which is like you know the upper limits of acceptability, and I think it has gone up a level for this second series, but it's still good. If you haven't watched the first series, like we definitely recommend giving. giving I'm quite proud of that show because I've told you this many times, but I said Jodie Comer was going to be massive since she was in my Mad Fat Diary, right? For and she plays the main the main character pretty much in the show. Yeah, in this one, in yeah. my Mad Fat Diary, she no. wasn't. Um, but yeah, she did various little shows like that, and I always said that girl's gonna be massive. And look at her now. You are good. Like... At, you are. You do have a good record of predicting these things. So hopefully, one day <laughs> when someone like listens to the Distance Diaries podcast from episode one, they will hear your recommendations and go, "What? That's crazy." But yeah. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, also big fan of the band Swimming Girls. They released their EP like two and a half weeks ago. And then I went mm-hmm. and saw them for my birthday. It was my birthday a few weeks ago. And who did you meet? Oh, yeah. And when we were at the gig, we were standing <laughs> next to Pale Waves, which was just unbelievable. What? Not what? the whole band. It's just, very confusing when you say to put well, the just main, next the to main the main two girls. people. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Which is crazy. I was just, I was just looked around suddenly. It was, what? Very, very... Uh, odd experience what i find funny about them is that they they actually wear the makeup that they wear on stage yes. in their daily life they're like it's insane kind of goth style makeup yeah they must take so long in their makeup yeah, no, yeah it's, it's, it's authentic cool. it's uh yeah. is their authentic versions of themselves yeah uh, appeared at the gig and then finally yeah i do this is a bit of an offbeat suggestion this one but you probably remember going back to 2014 there was the famous disappearance of a Malaysian Airlines plane that was flying um, from Kuala Lumpur to, I think it was to, uh, flying towards Beijing. Yeah. Um, and, like, everyone was lost. They never found the plane. Like, they don't know what happened. And it yeah, like, still don't know what so happened. They, st- they still basically don't know what happened. But there's this really long article written on the Atlantic. If you Google the Atlantic flight mh i'll I'll put the link on the show notes yes or just you know or or google it um (laughs) and uh yeah and it's just fascinating it goes into an unbelievable amount of depth over what might have happened and it basically does kind of establish what happened to to the plane but yeah and it basically it looks at all the kind of different theories and it also something which i quite enjoyed is it, it looks at some of the proper conspiracy theories and how most people that come up with them are just absolutely clueless <laughs> about what happened. Yeah, obviously. That's what that's the definition of a conspiracy so that, theory. <laughs> that's quite interesting. And it does actually reach quite a satisfying conclusion as an article. So okay. you know, if you, it is worth reading because it does give you a really nice, well, not nice, an awful explanation, but a really sort of satisfying read. Um, and it's just an incredible event, really. The most curious thing about it for me is not even what happened on the flight but why was it never found that's yeah. why i don't understand yeah so that's um that's a big part of it and in fact a big part of it which is one of one of the most interesting parts of the article is the story of a man 
an American man who's dedicated the last five years of his life to hunting for bits of the aircraft. And he started to find thousands of miles away from where the plane went missing, like small pieces of the aircraft washing up. Yeah. Uh, it's really, really incredible story. I reckon a few years going to be a film. Yeah. Like no, Titanic. I, I think it, it could be. It could be. A, I mean, if not, there'll be kind of conspiracy <laughs> films about conspiracy it. But films. Uh, hopefully yeah, exactly. not. Hopefully something something better. And speaking of um, kind of tragic events, I know there's, My segue. There, there's a show that a lot of people have been talking <laughs> about, which you've been watching. Yeah. Well, I finished Chernobyl. I finished the show and the podcast of the show. So oh. I was going to recommend both things. I'll just recommend it together. Chernobyl, the show, is on HBO in the UK. It's on Sky, I think. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a joint production on HBO and Sky. So you can find it. In Mexico, in HBO, Claro Video, um, I th- it's quite hard to watch. It, le- it leaves you feeling very anxious. I got used to it by sort of the fourth episode, but I watched the first two episodes back to back and I couldn't sleep. Oh, no. It's, it's very anxiety-inducing. It's very well done. It's very well produced. The performances are really good. It's really good actors, really well-known actors. Um and there's likable and unlikable characters, but something that is very clear is that the the showrunner and writer didn't want to make... The, the, he didn't want to make the Soviet Union just look like it was run by monsters. Like, like he didn't want to have some sort of sympathy towards the people yeah. that made the work at Chernobyl a lot easier and made, and tried to save as many people as they could. Uh, which is very, it, it comes across. And there is a lot of creative license taken, but a lot of it makes sense for writing a show, okay. which is rare to find. Sometimes creative license is just weird to take, but there's things in this show where it's kind of creative license that makes sense in order to tell a narrative. I've, I did see that some charities that have been set in place for Chernobyl, particularly Chernobyl Children, have been advocating for people to watch the show to raise awareness of how impactful it actually was and how much it affected people's lives, which is it, it has done for me. Uh, Chernobyl Children is a charity that works for the current generations that were affected by the disasters and ensures protection for future generations. And yeah, I just I found the show incredibly interesting, and especially if you listen to it alongside the podcast. So if you watch episode one, hear episode one of the podcast which you can find everywhere you listen to podcasts and HBO Go. And yeah, basically in the podcast, Greg Mason, the showrunner, explains what actually happened, the way that he wrote it, what he changed in the show from what actually happened and why he decided to change it. So it's very you hear a little bit more backstory on the research and a little bit more on why he chose to do it like that as a narrator for it. So it's very interesting. Cool. Yeah, yeah. really enjoy that. Very highly and regarded by the critics as well. Yeah, yeah, it is because it's very, very well done. I have also speaking of HBO, been watching Big Little Lies season two, and I've decided that Big Little Lies is probably one of my favorite shows ever. It is just so well written, so well acted. I mean, obviously you've got Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, Laura Dern. Shailene Woodley, Zoe Kravitz, that you've got this mass star cast, and now in season two they've added Meryl Streep. So <laughs> you have probably one of the best casts in television ever. <laughs> <laughs> and just the editing, the sound design is all very, very impressive. 
By the way, I'm sure if you can hear background noise on my end, my brother's having a bit of a party outside, so if you can hear it, I am really sorry. On another podcast recommendation, I heard George Clooney on the Awards Chatter podcast. It's the first podcast he's ever been interviewed for. It takes you through the career... Awards Chatter takes you through the career of the interviewee, and George Clooney obviously has a lot to talk about, from ER to the failure that he felt after being Batman... His disagreements with David O. Russell and Three Kings, which were very infamous, and now returning to television. It's really interesting to hear about his perspective on things and things that have been written about so much and he doesn't really talk about. I don't think... Well, I'd never heard him talk about Batman and how he felt about his both his performance and the film itself. And yeah, if you haven't listened to Kira Knightley's interview on this podcast as well, please do. It's a, it's a really good podcast. Cool. Yeah, a watch chatter podcast. Uh, now on to books that I've read. Uh, I read Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid. It's been a very hyped book lately. It's a book about the rise and fall of a rock band in the 70s. It reads as a series of interviews that have been edited to tell the full story of the band. It's kind of a mockumentary in book form. And at the start, to me, it almost felt like it read too much as fiction. These people wouldn't remember the scenes in such detail so many years later during their interviews. But as the book went on, I started to really care for the characters. I ended up loving the book. And I almost did feel as though they were real. And I found myself wishing I could just Google them and see what happened next. Uh, if you like rock bands from the 70s, if you like things like Almost Famous and being really sucked into that scene, you'll love it. It will also be an Amazon Prime TV show produced by Reese Witherspoon soon. I think they will make it in the form of a documentary. Cool. Which will be interesting. Be, yeah, that will be interesting. I then read more of a, a light read, probably as light as you can get. <laughs> I read One Day in December by Josie Silver. And it's a romance that takes from the likes of Love Action and Bridget Jones. So it's quite a light-hearted read. It follows two people who meet for the first time with her on a London bus and him sitting in the bus stop and they see each other and he attempts to get on the bus but can't because there's too many people getting on. And then she looks for him for a year around London, <laughs> hoping to just run into him. And then she finally meets him again a year later when he's introduced to her as her best friend's new boyfriend. Ah. So, and we know they both recognize each other because we hear from both of their perspectives. So we followed their friendship for 10 years and as they both sort of carve out new lives for themselves around each other and avoiding each other. And it's quite fun. I read it within two sittings. Wow. And it's, it's, it's just if, if you feel like watching Love Actually but you want to read, read this basically is what. And a little bit Bridget Jonesy as well. Yeah, quite enjoyable. I also finished, finally, You Watched Me Started. Uh, she Must Be Mad by Charlie Cox, which is a poetry collection. And the blurb is actually a very accurate description, so I'll just read you the blurb. She Must Be Mad explores coming of age, the pain and beauty of love, the relief and the agony of turning from a girl to a woman, the isolation of an untethered mind and the power of subjugation of the body. My favorite parts were actually prose introductions to each section. It's divided into love, mental health, body image and adulthood. And it's really great for those of us, especially women, because it's, it's got a few feminist poems in there that are growing up in this era. And yeah, really enjoyed it. Would recommend if you're looking to get into poetry, because it's quite easy poetry. It's free verse, so it's not too tedious okay. to read. 
And finally, <laughs> I read To Bed With Grand Music by Marganita Lasky. It's a Persephone books read. I've talked about Persephone books on here before because I went to their shop. But they're basically a publisher that reprints neglected fiction and non-fiction books from 20th century women, mostly. I think they have about two men. And they all come with a special print on the inside and their own bookmark, bookmark with that print. Uh, so they're absolutely gorgeous books and very nice. personalized. Every time I opened it, I was like, yes, I want to read from this beautiful <laughs> book. So this one is about a woman whose husband is sent to do a desk job during World War II. And in her loneliness and desperate need to not be a mother because she has a kid, she finds a job in London and moves and starts dating a, a string of rich men that basically just buy her nice things and she goes to nice dinners with them. And it was an extremely controversial topic at the time. It was about a woman who didn't want to care for her child and who was unfaithful, even though it was expected for men during war to be unfaithful. For women, it was a very taboo subject. Yes. And Lasky actually originally published it as Sarah Russell, but Persephone Books has published it with her actual name. And yeah, I found it quite entertaining. It was quite easy to read, actually, easier than I thought it would be. But yeah, enjoy that as well. I'm pretty sure all Persephone books are good. So that wasn't a surprise. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> good little niche recommendation. Yeah. Should we move on to our topic? It's quite a nostalgic topic. Yeah, it's a, light, a light-hearted and nostalgic yeah. topic. So something we've been thinking about is that we're coming to or that we've all realized is that we're coming to the end of the 2010s decade and so we wanted to look back at some things from pre from not only this decade but previous decades and yeah. what sprung to mind for this week was technology from our childhood so mm. i guess for us that i suppose you've got kind of stuff that first came into existence in the mid to late 90s we probably sort of used a bit of that and then also obviously in the 2000s um as well when we were sort of growing up more kind yeah. of directly it's almost things that we grew up with yeah that now when we think about it and we're like, oh do you remember when we used to do that yeah so it was quite good fun sort of looking into some of these things and just realizing how much more how much better things are now and how much more advanced Almost everything is, so out of all the examples that we're going to give. Um, and also yeah. got the other reflection that I had is that the 2000s was basically the peak era of the gadget, effectively. Yeah, it was, so, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. palm holders and stuff like that was yeah. other peak. And, and, like, it used to be that everything that you needed to do, and this is something we're going to go over, had a separate device, so mm -hmm. whether it was GPS, you had to have a separate sat now. A GPS, GPS yeah. To do Music, it. you Music, had to have an iPhone. Yeah, like or a discman. Phone call. Yeah, you, ha you had a little mobile phone. Every single individual task was done there. Even I'm, I, I bet there was some piece of electronic at one point that would just tell you the weather or something. But I that whereas now almost all of it is just in your phone or your computer. Um, yeah. so yeah that's pretty crazy pre-smartphones that was the kind of key defining that, that was the era that we, we grew up in I guess it's, yeah it's crazy that smartphones changed everything yeah. it changed how we do things completely yeah. it's insane and I used to watch this show when I was a kid this is a very me thing 
to say. I used to watch a show called The Gadget Show. And I don't know if it's still on. It might be on some niche channel now, but it used to be on kind of a bigger, big one of the main channels. And it was there was honestly just such a quantity of things, whereas now mm. almost everything that they would be looking at in terms of innovation, yeah, there'd be a bit of hardware, but so much of it would be about it'd be software. Apps it'd be apps, it'd be yeah, software, it'd be, apps. it would be like Websites. artificial intelligence, exactly. It'd be new services. Whereas then it was physical yeah. bits of plastic that would cost two hundred pounds that would do one thing. Um, yeah. So that was that was kind of what I figured out after looking at some so individual things. So you've been into tech innovation since you were a child. Yeah. Basically, yeah. <laughs> but then there was there was a particular category where we both. I guess thought of a lot of things, and that was well, there were two, but one was music. Yeah, music and film. I think. Mm, yeah, I suppose for you, film, because I I didn't watch many films when I was young. But on the music yeah. side, you know, when iTunes launched and you could buy a single song, you know, that was a game changer. But mm. otherwise, you had things like LimeWire and other kind of streaming things that were just not allowed at all. Um, yeah, exactly. Just LimeWire. Yeah. We all used to use it and it was illegal. It's crazy. And then once you got it on your phone, I remember being on buses at school and you would share the um, you'd share the song by Bluetooth with your friend on the, your phone's very, very limited storage. What? You had Bluetooth? My phone didn't have Bluetooth. No, so, <laughs> actually, originally my phone had infrared, which is where you point your phone straight at another phone that has infrared from a centimetre away and it takes like 10 minutes to transfer the song I never had that but Bluetooth Bluetooth was pretty good you know that was a few minutes and you transfer a a song yeah but that was something that my mum used to have to be able to talk without her phone in the car like I didn't have Bluetooth yeah I don't know I think I had some quite cool phones like do you remember the Motorola phones that came out in the 2000s that looked really I cool. I had a Motorola phone. There were some, and, and I remember how cool the designs looked. And you had David yeah. Beckham advertised one and it was a flip phone and it was thin and it looked amazing. <laughs> and I remember at the time thinking, I want that phone so much. Whereas now... It's if, not going to get better now, than that if, phone. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly, exactly. Whereas now, if you look at the graphics on that phone, it, so it, it looks like the worst thing you've ever seen. Like, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Anyway... That's, so There's that's something that I want thing. to comment on about LimeWire as well. <laughs> and I wonder if you've noticed this change. There used to be a time when streaming platforms weren't a thing yet, where it, be it for music or yeah. for film and television. There was a time where watching things illegally was just what you did, or downloading music illegally was just what you did. I feel like now, with all the streaming platforms there are, you just don't do that anymore. I wanted to watch a film the other day. And I searched for it on Netflix, on Amazon Prime, on HBO, and on my Cinepolis Click. It wasn't on any of them. So I was like, okay, I'm, not, I'm just not going to watch it then if it's not there. Whereas before, it'd be like, oh, I'll just watch it on my computer illegally. No one does that anymore. I think you're right. And what does I think, that mean? Yeah, I think, in the, no, I think you're right. I think in the case of music, it's just because if you want to listen to a lot of music, the price for Spotify, Apple Music, or whatever, is just so low that... It's just way easier to pay ten pounds a month yeah. than 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 not. I with film, I don't know as much. I mean, film as well. It's so cheap to just have. You you could just you could just go. Oh, I'll just watch any other film if if the film that you want exactly. isn't, isn't on Netflix or, or HBO. Or, whatever. or you're like, I'll rent it on a rent on an app. Yeah. No one looks for it online anymore because we just don't do that anymore. I think I think that's a great thing because it's just been made so accessible now 
by yeah. streaming platforms yeah. that you don't really need to do it. Right. It was Moulin Rouge that I wanted to watch. I'm pretty sure I have the DVD somewhere, <laughs> but I couldn't find it on the streaming platform. So I just went, oh, I'm, I'm, I'll just watch something else then. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think that's true. Um, another thing on music that is quite a nostalgic thing for me was you didn't used to be able to plug your iPod or MP3 player or, or whatever device you had into your car. It was just really hard. Like most cars didn't have the appropriate connections. Yeah. So there was a device that used to plug in. It was called the Griffin iTrip. And you plug it into the bottom of your iPod in the old slots that they used to have on the bottom, the big slots. Mm. And it would transmit the music via radio frequency that you would then tune into on the radio on your car to right. play music. Is that going to an outdoor cinema? Exactly, exactly. But yeah. you just plug it into your iPod because there was no cables that could connect your iPod to cars. There was just nothing in yeah. the car and there was nothing on the iPod that would, would allow you to do in it. In your current car, how do we plug in the phone? Oh, we just oh we just use the um, the AUX, don't we? Which is not very good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the There's sound's no not USB very good on that. But the yeah. sound was yeah. amazing on these these Griffin iTrip things. Like, they were, they were really, really good. But it's just the kind of thing which just... It's just all of these gadgets in, these, in the 2000s, just so many just became redundant for whatever reason. Just another solution yeah. just came along. Well, currently, most your, your car, because it's a bit older, but you just use Bluetooth generally now. To most people to, just use Bluetooth. To a speaker. Yeah. 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 Um, it's so different to it what is. it used to be. It is. <laughs> so the other, as well as music, the other thing that really sprung to mind was gaming. Yeah, gaming was a big thing in the nineties and the early two thousands. Yeah, so for you, I was I was going to say the Nintendo Wii, but you actually went a bit earlier than that. In terms, yeah, because of... if you tell me what did you used to play in your childhood, it was Nintendo sixty four. Right. I just remember. I just have so many nostalgic memories from grabbing the cassettes for Nintendo 64 and blowing on them because they weren't working <laughs> to make them work again. Like blowing the dust off is what you used to do. Instead of turn it on and off, it was blow on the cassette. Like that was what you did. And I think maybe it's because my, my brother and my sister are older. So that's what I used to play because yeah, that's what they... They obviously they, had one. Because maybe I wouldn't have asked for it at that age. Yeah. But because my, my brother and my sister had one, I would play for them i actually have this very sad memory that haunts me to this day and my brother still hasn't fully forgiven me Uh we had a mario game on it i I don't know if it was mario 64 but it was a game where it was a mission game and when you complete the missions you rescued princess peach and everything it was so important to us at the time it's all we did during the day we played that game and i accidentally i was very young i accidentally clicked delete and deleted all the missions we'd done that's so bad. <laughs> we, we, I don't think we ever played again. Oh, no. I mean... And yeah, to this day, whenever I mention it, my brother doesn't like me. Oh. Yeah, no, it's probably... Yeah. I mean, it's, it's only, only 20 years. 20 years Only, only 20 years that um, happened. No, probably a bit, a bit, a bit less than bit that. less. I wasn't... Yeah, I wasn't three years old oh, okay. when I deleted today. Fair enough. I must have been like six. But yeah, the controllers were amazing for the Nintendo 64. Like the shape yeah, of the was controllers so was yeah. so cool. It looked so futuristic at the time. I really um, want to play Nintendo 64. Uh, I want to play Mario or Joshi. Yeah, so then that was all kind of brought back in 2006 when the Nintendo Wii came out. It's crazy to think that's yeah. nearly, that's like a 40, 13, 14 year old console. Yeah, I can't believe it. Because to me, Nintendo Wii seems 
doesn't seem you? that long ago, but it yeah. but it really <laughs> is a long time ago. Um, and I just remember how crazy it was. Just any controller that could do proper movement, and now yeah, any, and the fact that yeah. you play tennis by moving your hand. Because now crazy. almost any smartphone has way more motion technology and stuff than <laughs> yeah. those controllers. Um, but yeah, Nintendo. I would still happily play Nintendo Wii though. Yeah, no, I think I, I think I would. I mean, the graphics I think look a bit bit ropey uh, when you when you see people playing them now. But apart from that, yeah, like the actual games, I think. I think most Nintendo games, actually, the games themselves... Just, are quite fun. They have such a fundamental level of fun, whether it's Mario Kart or any of these formats. They just have... They just they were just so good at making things that were entertaining. Yeah, because Mario Kart, they've had it from the first Nintendo to to the newest yeah, Nintendo. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. there's always been a Mario Kart version. We played Mario Kart on the Wii when we first got together and used to come to Mexico. Yeah, I mean, that, and at that point, it was you know, nine, ten years old, that game. Yeah, that's and it, crazy. And we were still playing. Yeah, it was still a passable, passable game. Um, yeah. But yeah, Nintendo was, was big. You had the Game Boy, you had the Nintendo DS. You know, it, it, was, it, was, it was a big, a big player in, in childhoods for a lot of people. And people now are playing on their computer. Proper gamers are computer games, is what they do. Um, oh, and yeah. What, what, what do kids play? They have they have like a Nintendo DS type thing. There's there's, there's the uh, the Wii U, which is a handheld, and yeah, you can that, plug it yeah, in. those types of things. Those look good. I used to have yeah. a, a Sony PlayStation Portable. I had well, I had about three of those. I love those. Uh, yeah, you're a PlayStation guy. I think yeah, I was. I think people still have those, but also just apps. You just you just yeah apps. get get the apps like so much better yeah. for parents. You just get them an iPod Touch and then like a five pound app. And that's it. I just feel like nothing's ever quite going to beat playing Mario Party with your friends. <laughs> like sometimes you just want to do that still. I think that's a good idea for a um a party to have you know, to to buy get someone Retro to bring games. one of these consoles and then just invite, yeah. you know, eight people over and just play them. I think oh that'd be God, a good bring idea. An in, play Mario Kart on the Nintendo sixty four. Yeah. That would be so I good. Think, I think that's a good idea actually. On, maybe, if anyone not, wants to make, if, if anyone wants to do it and invite us, yeah, please, please. Well, well, one in Mexico, one in London, and uh, yeah. we'll, we'll be right over. <laughs> we'll, we'll make it. <laughs> um, yeah, the only oh, I actually forgot something in music, which is Sonos. So Sonos actually launched in two thousand and four, and I don't know if it was any good back then, but I thought that was interesting because that's one where I think it was probably ahead of its time. Yeah, um, I think I had a friend who had one. Because um, I recognised it when I googled the original Sonos, it, it looks it, it didn't even look that different. But I remember seeing it at a friend's house who was like a proper musician and loved the it. Sonos speaker has quite a timeless design, so yeah, I would be surprised they, if it looked very different. Yeah, but those those are good streaming music in your house. That was ahead of the game. Yeah, people didn't get them then. No, whereas now everyone's got fast enough internet that you can and Spotify or whatever, and, you and just, smart homes oh. and all these things. I mean, we're gonna laugh at. <laughs> I swear, we're gonna laugh at like Alexa and Google Home in about ten years. I yeah, know. probably. It was just. I swear, they're gonna. The yeah. same companies will have come up with something better. It'll be so integrated in the future, I guess. Yeah. So, I think something that we realized by researching is that what's happening now is that we feel nostalgia for all these things, but we wouldn't go back to it. We wouldn't go back to old iPods. At yeah, the at least not, except for a joke. 
<laughs> yeah, not even DVDs. We, we would really mm. go back to like maybe the ones that we still have. And if you can't find the film, you just put it on your old DVD. Yeah, maybe. But what's happening now is that we're going back to things that existed before we were children. Yeah. That existed when our parents were young. Yeah. Which is great. Like records are now a big thing. There's all these modern record playing yeah, machines. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. are they called? Record players. <laughs> record players. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Um, Polaroid pictures. One of my friends actually just bought a proper Polaroid camera. Oh, nice. To make albums. I have the Instax Mini, yeah. which is what most people and we have. And we have it at work. We take, when people join, we take a Polaroid picture. Oh, yeah, you have them on the uh, wall, On the wall you? in the office, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I have a lot of Polaroids around me. I should make an album of them. Yeah. But th- that, that's coming back. And I bought a disposable camera for my holiday not that long ago yeah. as well. I think the thing about Polaroids is maybe we started missing, because this mini printer came out for photos on your phone didn't it yes and it was really successful and i think we just have this thing where we feel that our photos don't mean as much now because we we never go back to them because they're just, just on our phone just, you just realize if you look it, i don't know if it says when you go on your your iphone how many photos you have in your album oh, I have, yeah i have like, two thousand in my camera roll and I, don't, and I don't even have that many. It's just, it's just you know... Yeah, exactly. It's just meaningless. Yeah, because you don't even take that many yeah, photos. Yeah, it's just meaningless, that numbers. So I feel like we want something that's physical and that you can look at, which is the... It was a point of photo. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, that's coming back. Something that you pointed out that's quite interesting is TV shows that are saying the 70s, 80s and 90s. Yeah. There's lots of them now. Yeah, there's this nostalgia about... The way things used to look, I think. Yeah, as the well. aesthetic of. Yeah, yeah, and there's obviously an element of that comes from record is is linked to records and Polaroid pictures and stuff like like we've said. But yeah, um, if you think yeah. about the book I talked about, Daisy Jones and the Six, that's in the seventies, and something about that, even if it's in book form, so you can't see it, it was so cool for me to read mm. when they described the outfits. It would be like, she was wearing all these bracelets and I finished reading that book and I thought I want to I want to dress like Daisy Jones yeah so so I think it's funny because when I talked to when I talked to my parents about you know before time before we were born they kind of just talk about how things were pretty rubbish in terms of you know quality of physical goods and stuff like that and how things are just way better now. But I think we have this nostalgia as in terms of our generation, whatever you want to say, millennial and sort of Gen Z, which is kind of the younger point of of us and our listenership. Don't we don't actually know what life was like in those older times and how they, we didn't have the kind of bad things that were going on as context. Yeah, we just sense. look at the cute, so, cute aesthetic. Yeah, things. so we're able to see good things and bring those mm. out through fashion or through music or or you know just general kind of life good aspects of people's lives i suppose yeah hopefully that happens with our time eventually it definitely definitely people will. pick out the nice things it definitely will and i think it's interesting because we're super aware of all the bad things and good things that are happening in the world right now and so it's hard yeah. for us to sort of appreciate sometimes Appreciate, yeah, appreciate the good things, I suppose, in a way, because of all the context that we see all the time. Yeah, 
which is what happen is what happens in life. Because like, if I think about your parents, for example, your dad really likes to buy new technology and things like that. And I feel like he probably doesn't get why we want VHS filters on, on Instagram. <laughs> they do, yeah, it's like, it, they why would it was you want funny, that? But yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't know. For for our parents, it's better if it's in HD because that's what. That's a that's it's a just, better. It's just thing. better, yeah. <laughs> Whereas we we just add lots of grain to our videos and make them look really old. Make it look cool. And yeah, exactly. And to us, that looks really nostalgic and cool. Even though we would never put a VHS on again. <laughs> no, we wouldn't actually want to sit for two hours and watch something that's just worse. Do you remember rewinding VHS? It's oh, crazy. That was so weird. It took so long. I used to watch Matilda in front of my TV. Honestly, it's six times in a row. And I just rewind it, wait for like 10 minutes until you fully rewind it and then click play again. <laughs> and then if you put on a DVD and you see the menu, because you know that it used to have menu and yeah, language. Yeah, yeah. And that's so weird now. You just change the language as you watch it. Yeah, that was it's crazy. It's so weird to see a menu now. <laughs> yeah, it is. Everything's just completely transformed by streaming. Yeah. I love streaming though, I have to say. I think it's great. But yeah, I think that's our nostalgic run. Nostalgic done. chat. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. I actually really enjoyed doing the Googling and just seeing the kind of ugly gadgets. Yeah. Also, if people have any memories of their old gadgets and stuff, I would love to hear them and we'll we'll discuss them at the start of the next episode, maybe. Yeah, there's probably about fifty some. things that we've missed. So Yeah, just memories of playing Nintendo or downloading music on LimeWare <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> so yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Please, if you do have a second, uh, take a moment to rate the podcast on um, Apple Podcasts. Is that is that yeah. where you can rate it? Can you rate it on any other platforms? I don't know. If you can rate it, rate it. Yes, it really helps. That would be awesome. It really helps the charts. It really helps us be listened to by more people. Yes. And. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Any topic suggestions we always take and we're always open. <laughs> My Twitter and Instagram is at underscore Natalia Alvin. And I am at Fraser D. Bell. And you can email us on the Distance Diaries podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. For listening, this podcast is hosted by Mexi Clothing, a brand that brings you modern Mexican fashion into the UK and Europe. For more, you can visit www.mexi.clothing. Thank you for listening.